Last week you heard part one of my interview with pianist Brian Shu. This week we'll hear part two. So besides doing a lot of collaboration with other pianists, with string players, um, you have an album out with a quartet actually, right? Paul Schoenfield? Yeah, that came out a little while ago. Um, I was um, I was asked to do a premiere of Paul Schoenfield's piano quintet with this quartet, the Poor Art Quartet in mm-hmm. Madison, Wisconsin. And I think that was their, they're celebrating their 100th um, anniversary that year. I This is probably 2000. 11 or 12 not, it's somewhere around there that was their 100 i think it for was 100 quartet? for the quartet they've been around for 100 years wait maybe it's 50 i don't that's know. a long time for a quartet it's either 50 or 100 i'm not good with numbers like that you just said you were good at math so i don't know where you're coming from. um yeah that was when i was 13 <laughs> i've been like i've been deprogrammed <laughs> <laughs> definitely gotten dumber over the years but yeah, so they, they actually commissioned a lot of composers to write pieces for this special occasion. And they've done oh, cool. various concerts that year. Okay. And I believe our concert was the last of the series. Ooh, And so it was Paul Schoenfeld's uh, quintet. I'm not quite sure what else was on the program. So we played it and it was, we did two concerts of it. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was great. Extremely hard. Schoenfeld never um, is but easy. Paul Schoenfeld was was fun to work with actually. Yeah. Um, you was you was get you feel like you might be intimidated or you're just like nervous playing for like a big name like that. But yeah. he was just he was very sweet, very nice, and right. sometimes I don't quite get his jokes, but no, that's when you, <laughs> that's when you sn- smile and nod, right? Pretend that you understand. Uh, but he was definitely very nice to me, and and when we see each other back in Michigan, he would like would always like stop and chat a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, and then so they afterwards they told me that they're gonna do a recording of it. Awesome. Um, I think a few months later, yeah. and so I was like, sure, I'll come here and play that again. And so it was, um, yeah. And so we, we did the recording there, um, and it was released probably about like a year or so later. Cool. So was that the first album you released, or you were released on, or? Um, I don't know. I mean, are we counting the ones that I did when I was like seventeen for fun? <laughs> No, I'm talking about things that people can... Because people can look this album up. What uh, is it called? Yeah, then that will be the first one. Okay, okay. <laughs> because the one... I mean, the first one that released was... That was before the, the age of internet. Right. So that wasn't released digitally. That was just like... Yeah. And, that was, and that was released in Taiwan. So that was actually in the stores in Taiwan. Oh, in Taiwan. See, that doesn't count. Because that's in Taiwan. Ouch. I'm kidding. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, Taiwan is probably a much more cutthroat system of competition than here or maybe it's the same i don't know it's a different kind of competition yeah it's just it's a different it's a different market um but it was that was that was definitely i mean i would say that was like my first experience doing a solo cd by myself in a recording studio you were 17 yeah 17 18 what was on the program uh there was a there's a Haydn sonata the c major sonata there's the rebel on dean just an Undine, not the Gus. Yeah, part. I don't know why I didn't do the rest, which is weird because that was actually the last of the piece that I learned. Um, since then, you played that set quite a lot, right? Oh, I did the Brahms third piano sonata then. Oh, cool. oh, so that means I wasn't eighteen then. I must have been like twenty-two when that happened. Again, <laughs> just genius with the numbers. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know these pieces because I do do them for like auditions for school. Yeah. And that's how I know when I play those pieces. 
so I mean, that Ravel is one of the master works that people like to talk about in plays, right? Yeah. So I, I just want to ask you, since you've done a lot of the standard canon, what of the pieces that you've worked on or maybe haven't worked on but heard a lot do you think is overrated? And which ones do you think should be kind of knocked off the canon by now? Um, well, I know a piece that's overrated, but if I say it, there's probably going to be an army of pianists and piano teachers, including Logan Skelton, that's probably going to come from my head. Well, which is why you should say it, because this is not for... I actually <laughs> say that to his face, and he just told me I was crazy. That's okay, Logan Skelton In a studio class. Is crazy. It's fine. Like, that's fine. <laughs> you just, like, rile him up, it's fine. We should maybe remind him of that tomorrow. Um, yeah, actually. Beethoven's fourth piano concerto, I think, is overrated. Why? That's the only one I've done, actually. Oh my god, I really? Know, I know, it's the first Beethoven concerto I learned and the only one I've played with orchestra. I just, I don't really like the second movement all that much. In the first movement, while it's beautiful, uh-huh. it personally, and it just doesn't really... F- it doesn't click with me like there's certain pieces you listen to it and you just right. understand it and it's right. sort of a higher level Beethoven yeah. fourth I just maybe I'm just not mature enough to understand the intricacy of the piece or it just doesn't speak to you emotionally but like you know I mean speaking of Beethoven concertos like the second concerto I really like that concerto I actually like yeah, the first first and the second concerto those are like actually my two favorite concertos out of the five concertos Really? But no one talks about that. Oh, exactly. Like, Everyone I talks about... Second, but... People talk about three of them because they do... I guess you hear that in competitions a lot. And you hear five because it's the Emperor Concerto. And right. then you hear four because everyone wants to play the four. It's the same thing can be said about... I don't even know how I'm going to feel about this piece. But Beethoven 111. Uh, see, I would agree with you wholeheartedly that too many people play those pieces. Plays the late Beethoven Sonata. I think that also might be it. But I appreciate 109. I appreciate 110. I just don't yeah. get 111. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of time also, what doesn't help is that you talk to students and people really have to say stupid things like, oh, I just feel like now I'm a graduate student, I should play State Open 111. And I'm like, that's a stupid reason to play a yes. piece because what, you, you're playing it because you are in the you're master's program? Now, like, so you what, should play it. You know, it's not like, okay, here are the reasons. I mean, I have someone who played 111 was telling me how the end of the second movement remind them of sort of like the heaven and the hell and like sort of the juxtaposition of those two because See, that's those... a good reason to play and so that's a really good yeah. reason she yeah. had a really good reason to play that but if it's like I mean I actually have heard someone in Michigan who actually said that oh it just that seems like a mature piece to play so I'm playing that for my doctoral audition it. and oh, I was yeah. like uh, so you're playing that because not because you like the piece you're taking off a box Basically, like you're filling as some sort of standard. You're like, I should play this. So. Yeah, because it's a mature piece. I'm like, there are plenty of other mature. Exactly. Like, and so that's, I think that's one of, it doesn't help right. the case of me trying to like the piece. Right. But I think for me also personally, I mean, with the face, I mean, I kind of went from Phelan fourth to like that, but. Oh, yeah. I yeah, I don't know. It's just, a lot of times it's just emotionally, it doesn't click. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But is it fair to say it's overrated? Because I think that more often is the case is that we hear pieces that are played without understanding. Yeah. And therefore, we're sick of those pieces. Not necessarily that the piece itself 
doesn't deserve being replaced. But I mean, well, it's I just... mean, if you say over, I mean, I would still say even fourth Panchito is to me is overrated. That's a more fair statement to you is overrated. To yeah. me, it's just if like if someone just asked me point blank, do you want to learn Beethoven on fourth? I want to be no. Because that's a lot of hours. It's a hard control. I just I don't feel invested. Um, uh, but. You know, one of those things that people were doing I think a few months ago. I don't know if you were up. One of the few times I actually was on Facebook. You know, people do these little stupid games about I fill out the blanks and post it on your wall. No. And so, like, most underrated piece, most overrated oh, right. piece, and all that. And I didn't participate in it, but definitely read it on people's answer because it was on concertos. Oh. Like, most overplayed, most underplayed. Overrated, underrated, I didn't read like those. best concertos ever, and it just it's funny because Brahms one was not high on a lot of people's list. Really? And to me, that was the piece that I fell in love with since I was like fourteen. I still, I still got chills. I don't know. I mean, underrated, overrated. That's that's all just part of like how you emotionally connect with it. Yeah. Um, and and what speaks to you. But I mean, are you saying Beethoven four should be knocked off of people's repertoire list? I think they should play other Beethoven concertos first. I think that's true. So I am definitely one of those people that made the mistake of learning it first. Or if you're going to learn it on the fourth, then you should learn the other concertos as well. Yeah, I never was a comprehensive repertoire person, though. Uh, because, I learned I mean, what I like, that's it. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I think looking back, a lot of times I, I've done a pretty, or my teachers have forced me. Um, yeah. And they've done a great job forcing me to learn more than just Are a particular piece. By well, I just kind of did what they tell me, <laughs> which ended up to be actually the right thing to do. Imagine surprise, that surprise. your teachers know, actually right? be right. I know, and it's funny when your students start saying that to you. I'm like, oh. Do you think you got this perspective when you started teaching yourself? You definitely find yourself saying things to students that your teachers tell you when you were a student. Oh, this this segues really well to my next question, which is, what piece of advice do you remember from teachers that you've had students? Well, one of the biggest advice that I gave students when they tell me about memory issues oh, and sort of how to overcome that or yeah. what are the solutions is you play in studio class. You play for other people yeah. as much as you can until you sort it out all these little you know issues that you have. Is that Logan who said that? Yeah. yeah and I, I think that. that helped me a lot because you know I was slowly getting over the memory issues that I had, but there's right. still some sort of remnant of that. And so, so trauma, that, right? Like, well, I mean, it, it takes a while to get over an issue like that, especially if right. it became a huge issue that you just can't get through a recital safely. And it's not really because you have memory issues, it's more kind of psychological. It's still, yeah, I mean, mem- a lot of memory issues is psychological. Yeah. I mean, some of them are not, but, but I, th- I don't, I mean, yeah, you know, this is not a blanket statement, but I feel like for a lot of people that I've talked to, something happened. Yeah. And then it becomes difficult to get over that. Mm-hmm. And in my case, that certainly was was that is is that something happened, and you either you have a different outlook on on what you are doing mm-hmm. as a pianist, or you just lose that confidence that you used to have, or you just didn't really think much. You just yeah. kind of took it for granted. Right. Well, you're like practicing it differently, but then as you get older, you know, psychologically, you think about things differently. Right. And and so it, it took a while. So yeah, that that definitely helped me got through a lot of memory issues. I forced my students to play the same way that he did, and 
Yeah. And it became, you know, it became a hot, like, just something that you do. Yeah. Because it's like, when I have recitals, I just Skype people in and they listen. Oh, you do that? That's awesome. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it might not be as effective as them sitting there, but yeah. you know they're listening. You never Skype me in. Yeah. I don't send you. Well, I don't know. The internet doesn't seem to be working. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you would like comment and be like, "Was that a memory slip, or did my internet cut out?" I can't tell. Yeah, like, or I'll be done playing. I'll look over and be like a blank screen. <laughs> like, Are you still there? No image. Another advice that I got that was from this is from Peter Frankel. Um, this is I mean he was I think he was the first person to to have to deal with. Hmm, I don't know if it's my neuroticism of, of just like having memory issues, but he just said person. he just said. This is like gambling. Sometimes oh. it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And we, this is the reason we do this because the excitement of you really never know what's going to happen on stage. He said that. He told me that. And then he was doing a recital that year. Uh-huh. Everything went great. And then he was doing, I don't know which Schumann piece he was doing as an encore. And he had a memory slip there. Oh, um and when i saw him backstage he like turned to me and he smiled he said remember that conversation we had earlier oh my god this is one of those instances and i think yeah. to me that was very comforting to know that that your teacher is just like any other just like you i mean they're, they're just the you yeah. yeah they go through the same issues and it's okay like if it happens to him then it's okay that it happens to you i think that's the important thing is that it's not the end of the world if something happens yeah, and I think that was really great on his part that he was using that, not shy away from it. He's using yeah. that as an example to say, this is what I'm talking about, but I am still enjoying what I'm doing. He smiled, yeah. Yeah, he smiled and he made a joke about it, you know, and the thing is, you know, no one talked about that. I mean, we knew that happened, but what's more important is that he was having a great time. He was happy with right. it. And it was beautiful. Yeah, and it was, of course it was beautiful. And everything everything was, was beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> Peter Frankel is such a beautiful man. Like, I know yeah. that sounds really cheesy, but, like, there's a lot of shitty people in music. There's a lot of people who are really uptight. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't care about little human foibles. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why people like to go to live concerts, because things like this happen yeah. in live concerts, and even if they do mess up, that becomes that performance that you were present, you witnessed that. Right, the infamous performance. You know, so, so it's like doesn't matter what happened even if it happens and something else bad happens in the you know like they missed yeah. a note they messed up you will still remember that performance yeah and also if they go to one of your concerts live they'll see a cool new bow tie every time you know because you're new i didn't bring a bow tie this time what i'm not wearing a bow tie i was super casual yeah i was thinking i was gonna wear a bow tie and i just didn't That's oops okay. So you will not see a colorful new bow tie tomorrow you night. You go to the mall tomorrow and get one. Is there like a mall around here? I'm sure there's a mall around here. We're in Michigan. We're in Michigan. I should probably say we're in Michigan right now. Yeah. We're about to play a piano ensemble concert at Oakland University. Yeah. With Tian Tian, who uh, is not here presently because she has a baby. So, <laughs> yeah. Everybody we know from school is all of a sudden locked up and uh, has... Family life. That sounds really bad when you put it like that. Let me put it a better way. Okay, so you everybody. Sound so bitter. Am I? I'm not bitter. Everyone's got a baby. I want one too. I don't <laughs> Wait, want we a know. Baby. We know Are you don't want me? one. We know you don't want one. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, bitter. That's definitely not. Although I did learn 
that if I am in China, people view me with such shame because I'm not married. Oh yeah, right. I'm too like, old. Yeah, yeah. I'm because you should be, you should be married by the time you're what? Twenty five. Twenty seven. Oh, twenty five. I, I don't know what it is. Anyways,、oh. but we're here to talk about Brian Shu and his awesome career. So, I do want to ask a few more questions. Just fun questions. What's next for you? What's your next project in mind? There is definitely part two of the of the opera transcriptions. Oh, what's part because, two? Because.、Um, I recently found out that、uh, when I contact the foundation of this composer Mika Cho, and I found out that、oh. they're actually no one else is recorded, other than the composer I, I himself, which is awesome because I'm going to be. I think I might potentially. I don't know. Don't quote me on this, but I might potentially be like the third person in the world to record those pieces. I think that's great. Which is awesome. How many more、uh, Rafael Gaspar's do we need out there in the market? Right. We just need one. No, which is yours? No, not mine, but. Oh, we know who's who's is out there. I know, but there's only one that's that's really you just need to listen to that one person's recording. Is it initials M A? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah.、Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so this stuff is gonna part two because I found out they there's actually a few more opera transcriptions that are not published. Just do an album of his. Oh yeah, he's got more. He's got the um, he's got the WC uh, Palin and Melisande that that's definitely in the plans. Cool. And then there's a couple of others, but that's gonna all gonna be. And I actually have some of those, the ones that are already published. I already have the music for those, and so that's gonna be part two. And I just、huh. need to find. I actually have a whole binder of opera transcriptions of like operas not even people know. That's cool. I think there was a. I'm not gonna give you the details now, but right, right. Um, because we'll it's gonna be like a little, su- no, it'll be a little surprise when part two comes out. <laughs>、um, What are you, Game of Thrones now? Um, but oh. <laughs> But yeah, there's actually a Polish opera, and there's a the transcription、Ooh. of that. I didn't even know that opera, so I need to actually go and watch this opera, which is great because then you know you have to watch some of these operas that that I probably otherwise would not. Yeah, I mean you like opera, so I'm not like a big. But I just,、opera. I mean, trans- there's something really cool about transcriptions because it's、yeah. in a way it's it's that composer's way of taking the essence out of the story. You're distilling well, it down, right? Yeah. So it's that composer's take of what they think is the most significant, I guess, scene or the aria of that. And so there's definitely a part two、yeah. of that. There might be, you know, there might be ideas about doing transcriptions of ballet. I I was just thinking about that because like Prokofiev.、Right? Yeah. But yeah, but then it's like Prokofiev and Julia. That's like something that people done a lot. Well, there's the other ones, the Cinderellas. Yeah. And that. Well, I mean, I think that's an interesting point. Is that it's not just. Uh, in opera, it's the composer's interpretation of the opera, which、yeah. is another facet. It's another、yeah. interesting facet, I think. So yeah, so I mean that's that's definitely one of the I guess the longer way to. I always like go the long way to like explain things. Let me just go、uh, off topic. <laughs> But yeah, the opera transcription part two is definitely coming, or it's definitely something I wanted to do once this is released.、Um, I. Still, this is a project I also been thinking about for the last six years. Is record all of. George Combs Microcosmos. Yeah. All four books of it. Oh,、um, so you'll so need to do a two piano work. Two pianos and then yeah. Which you'll have to、yeah. do with me. Okay.、Obviously. All right. I need someone to do it with me. No, Or I, I can just play I both. I can just. I can、no, just play both parts by、no. myself. <laughs> you cannot overlay because you need two percussions as well. And... No. No. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't. I can't fake through that. <laughs> No, you get to play the African song. Well, there's a forehand. I can take the forehand, and I'll be like piano. It'll be like first part will be Brian Shu, second part Brian Shu. Be like, wait, what? 
I mean, they'll be like, hey, these people are speaking in the same way. Shouldn't it be two different voices? I know, but wouldn't that be cool if I actually do that with tape? You'll be the only one that does that. I know. That's true. I would make it into like a piece with tape, although someone might kill me for doing that. Well, I think part of the cool thing about Crumb, though, is the live performance of it, too. So I just record one of the parts and play the other part. I mean, that would be the live part, right? No? Anyways, okay. I'm just saying that you <laughs> will have to play it with me because I fucking want to play that piece again. So. Yeah. You can it might be a while. Want. It might be a while. I you know. know. You know, those take a little while. It might be a while for me to find uh, the ability to do that yeah. with the percussionist like Arthur Langley. And those pieces always takes forever to learn because you have to read all the words that's written on there on how to do each part. Well, it takes a lot of time to set it up. It also takes a lot of time to coordinate how you to move. coordinate the inside the piano stuff is is to get it fluid to get it sounding good. That's fine. yeah because I've done I think I've done three a few years ago and yeah. I think that was the only the oh, actual you mean performance. The two piano one? No, I, I did um I think I did like Spiral Galaxy and I did Dream Images. Oh, sorry, you did three of the sets. Yeah, yeah, and so I remember like one of the things was about how do I turn like if there's turning pages in the middle like when do I do that and then also like. When do I get up? So it's like that's what you practice. You're not so much practicing like how right. you would practice. It's an athletic event, basically. Yeah, because you're just like standing up, you know, putting you things into the, the piano. Uh, the hip, the hip pain from standing up and reaching over. I've definitely gotten some hip cricks. That hasn't happened yet, but again, I don't wear high heels. I think high heels doesn't help. <laughs> your yeah. Well, you're also um, what is it, a marathon runner? So you're in better shape. Half marathon. Whatever. Still and not yet. In so, a few months. I'm whatever. in training. Whatever. You're one of those runner people. No, I mean, I remember Macrocosmos 3, we probably spent so much more time setting everything up and, like, figuring out, like, because the music, I can't reach inside here if it's here, so we put it at an angle with yeah. like, a little covering on it, yeah. and then Logan told me about his shelf, his crumb shelf. Oh, yeah, he yeah. showed me that. He invented this shelf that hangs down from the lid. Yeah. I, that's, and... I mean, the percussionists, the poor guys had to get in, like, so many different things. They had, like, this whole array of things. And they had to ship in an napkin something. I feel like that would be a lot of fun. It's so much fun! Oh my god, it was, like, the best experience of Yellow Barn was just doing that. Um... I mean, learning the notes itself are not that hard, because you kind of just... You have yeah sounds. no like I said yeah. it's more about reading the instructions of how to do this or, or like what does this symbol mean yeah or the finding the sweet spot in the yeah. harmonic notes and yeah the... yeah thank God he had good handwriting though yeah I mean, Crumb handwrote every of these instructions and they're like typewriter handwriting it's crazy yeah no they're good it's just yeah that's that's I me mean, that's that's what I need to do pretty soon because I'm programming four of those for my recital this okay. this year so so I need to actually get on reading those things anyways. So, um, one last thing. What composer, or set of composers, let's say you can pick up the three, would you like to have over for dinner? And what would you cook them? Oh my god. Three composers? Well. Like, at the same time? Yeah. Because wouldn't it be fun to have, like, any sort of composer from any place at any time? What other questions do you have? You don't like this question? I know what to I cook don't, them. Okay. I, mean, I don't know what to cook them. I mean, they eat different things. If they're already dead, like the things that they eat back then, they're probably going to be like, what the hell is this stuff? Well, you could be like, hey, Procopi, I'll try this nice new bread that I make. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, whoa, blows your mind, doesn't it? Yeah. Or like, invite Bach over and be like, you want to try some Chinese dumplings? Oh my god, he'd love that. <laughs> 
Don't you think so? Um. Okay, I can ask you this one if you want. I don't know about the dinner party because that's just that's I don't know. Okay, I never really thought of that. Well, that's what I'm asking you. I know, but then I need to think about this. <laughs> okay, so I'll ask you about which composer would you like to fight in a fist fight, and do you think you would win? I'm gonna go with the ones that I know are very sick a lot. <laughs> Because, was dying of tuberculosis. Because and... I know I would win. That is so practical um, of you. But I don't want to lose a fight. I want to get punched in the face. Like, you know, like if I fight, like... See, you don't want to fight someone like Shuman because it might go crazy on you. So he might <laughs> actually win. Fight someone like Shopin. Who's oh, like, the who's unpredictable like, Who's like sick all the time. So it's like... Well, it doesn't take much to like knock him down, so I'm good. Yeah, but why do you have to win? Like, who doesn't like to win? It's like basic human. I don't know. I mean, if you had a story about how you got punched in the face by Brock, that'd be kind of awesome. I mean, if I'm fighting someone, I'm not gonna. I don't want to get punched in the face and have. Why would you want to? Why would you want to go into a fight knowing that you're gonna lose? Like what? You know, I've never been punched in the face. That'd be an interesting experience to have. Well, no, not really. Why not? Why would you want to do that to yourself? Well, I also love tattoos, so maybe that's. I mean, I, I, you know, don't have the best face in the world, but I like my face. <laughs> I'm gonna get punched in the face, and then just what if there's like something I can't fix after being punched in the face? You mean like a broken nose? Harrison well, that's Ford. gonna hurt. Harrison Ford has two broken noses, and he looks great. Well, he gives you character. A... That's Harrison Ford. I'm not Harrison Ford. No, you're not. If I were Harrison Ford, then sure, that's fine. If you are Harrison Ford, you Because I probably have the money to fix that nose. What was your first CD you have ever purchased? Uh, that I purchased with my money? Yeah. It was not classical. I know that for sure. I know that for sure. The first... I can tell you the artist of the first CD that I listened to. On your own. Oh, no. No, no, no. This, the question is, what did oh, you like buy with your money? own money? You were, like, itching to buy. I don't know. Tower Record used to be right next to Juilliard. I know. Which is on my way home. Yeah, I know. That doesn't help. You see, a lot of times I will go home and <laughs> I see the big sale sign. I was like, oh, that's stop by for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And then you spend the whole two hours there browsing through everything, right? I know. I love those days. Yeah. Single-handedly kept it open. Yeah. But I don't no, know. I, I definitely, I definitely miss browsing through. And I was telling another student about that. It's like browsing through library books. Yeah. You definitely end up finding treasures that uh, you probably oh, yeah. otherwise wouldn't have. That and I miss the Barnes and Noble that used to be there. Now it's a fucking Century Twenty One. Oh yeah, I still remember seeing you. I think that might actually be the first time I saw you. Really? At Barnes and Noble. For a long period of time. Was I sitting in a corner reading? Yes, oh, because they used to have the cafe upstairs. Oh yeah, and instead of buying a book, and I so just you were just like by yourself eating something. I don't know what you were eating, but you were just like reading a book with your feet up on the chair. With my feet up on the chair, mm-hmm. it's comfy. <laughs> and I was over the magazine section with I don't know, I don't even know who I was with, with but I just remember we were like, oh, we're like, oh, isn't that Jeanette? I was like, yeah, I think that's Jeanette. Instead of talking to people, yeah, that was my safe space for like three months. Oh uh, yeah, I just we just thought that was funny because you don't really see kids outside of Juilliard because everyone just lives in the practices all the time. Yeah, I definitely didn't practice at Juilliard. And so the few times when you actually go to Barnes and Noble, you go to like Tower Records, you go as a group too. 
Yeah. Unless it's like the end of the day and then you live off campus, then you kind of have to, you know, that's when you're sort of alone. But I actually somehow managed to not bump into people at all. I mean, I think school, you're right. People don't really hang out alone a lot around school. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm also not the right person to ask because, you know, like I said, my, my dynamic in my, the dynamic in my class is quite different. It was probably the polar opposite of my experience at Juilliard. Yeah. Which was, I didn't talk to anyone. Uh, I mean, I talked to people as, like, I was friendly. But yeah. I did not hang out with people, and I generally kept to myself. I think part of it is because a lot of us were in pre-college together. Yeah. And we were all in the same class. And so there's, like, at yeah. least seven or eight of us. And you guys were unusually close for any of your parents. Yeah, I think we just, we joke around a lot, and I think that helped. And also, like, yeah. I mean, people put in the same floor on the, in the dorms for we're a year. We were on the same floor? We were all on the 18th floor. Oh, the 18th floor. The floor above the one you guys have already been there. Yeah, so two of them were under the age of the 18, so they had to stay the uh, SAV dorm, wow. but they have curfew, 10 o'clock. That's their curfew? So, so then when they go back at 10 o'clock, we just continue hanging out in the dorms, and it's like, they just walk across the hall. They're right there in that suite. So I think that helped building that closeness hmm. it was nice i don't know it was a nice support system yeah no i could see that but that's definitely a, a slightly different experience than a lot of the other kids from juilliard i i think so i mean not that any person's experience is worse yeah um it's just, it's just how you did it yeah. yeah i mean i felt that way at yale actually moving into the kelly house um just Let us actually hang out with each other. That was that was a new thing to me. Like you and I started hanging out probably more in New Haven. Yeah. I don't think like I knew what it was like to really just hang out with Dennis as like friends, as normal people. Well, anyways, I think um it's almost eleven, so I probably should stop. Um, please plug anything you have coming up. Like, do you have a website? Do you have like? I do. It's um, it's it's in the process of getting fancier, but it's, oh really? Well, right now I it's didn't just know you it's had very, Yeah, I do. It's just I just I put my concerts there, but yeah, it's yeah. just it's Brian Dash Shoe. And how do you spell shoe? H S U. Okay, so some people wouldn't know that. Oh, I yeah. don't <laughs> assume people know how to spell that because that's not how you would say it. Just, you probably had the most abnormal childhood. It's like you were working all the time. I mean, yeah, my childhood was, was filled with, with practicing, but I don't know. Looking back on it, it's like, I I don't know if I really was missing out a lot on that. Yeah, you definitely were set up with more life skills. It definitely sucked when you were a kid. You see other people playing, or like my brother was just like playing and doing nothing Also, your school. brother was not subject to this. No, he so just didn't want to do kids. that. Huh? He didn't want to do that. I wanted to do that. And yeah. so that was the deal. You want to do it, and this is what you have to do. Yeah. And I think, looking back on it, I'm glad that happened. Yeah. Because it just, you don't lose in that, I guess, I don't know. I mean, There's no downside to it, really. No, not really. Unless you choose to be bitter about it, and you didn't. No, I mean, I, I was actually, I might have been like bitter when I was a kid, like because yeah. which kid does not want to just play after school and do nothing and watch TV or play whatever toys that they have i can't tell you how many times i would be practicing and i'd be crying because i'm like i wish i was at this party or this kid didn't invite me because they know i have to practice right now like that kind of thing yeah which is really silly but it hurts when you're a kid to like not be included 
Yeah, but I think luckily the environment I grew up in is like I was surrounded by people who were doing exactly the same thing. Right. And so in a way, the only way that I knew I was missing out was because my brother is playing next door. Really? In the house. That's pretty funny. And I think that's the only way I know that I was missing out something because if you go to school, everyone's doing exactly the same thing. They all do two instruments. Um, and so... I definitely envy that childhood, actually, to be so well-prepared for being a music student here in America and and being thrust in a conservatory because like I still feel like I have to make up for lost time all the time all the time like I wasted so many years and I would have loved to just have practiced more when I was young have a better head about it not be so like caught up in these stupid things yeah it definitely does help when you do the work when you were younger because it's just there's less distractions or you shouldn't have as much distraction but again this is also pre-cell phone pre-computer pre-texting yeah you know pre-smartphone and so i think that that sort of does a lot to how kids how focused they are these days oh definitely in a negative way i think so i think we're having less and less attention spans less and less contentment with what we're doing like, there's always something better to be doing or something more exciting. Everyone wants to find, like, the best thing for that moment, like, yeah. the best entertainment. I think what you experienced gave you a sense of not taking anything for granted. And, I mean, I get that sense when I talk to you just because you don't complain. Um, so another compliment to Brian that I'm giving. Oh, this is just like... I know! I better, like... Treasure I, it. Yeah, I know. I should. Often. Oh, wow! <laughs> Payback's tomorrow, huh? No, you know uh, how Chinese people do it. They express love with criticism. Right? Oh, yeah. I, right? I know that like... very well. I know. I grew up with that. Our well, so do you. Nerds. So do you. Oh, yeah. There's a whole thing on YouTube about like videos of parents never saying I love you. Yeah. It's just they express it differently. Usually it feels like not love. I mean, there's good and bad to every culture of how they raise their children. Yeah. You know, and so one is not necessarily all bad, and one is not necessarily all good. Yeah. And so. I don't. I don't. I don't really know how I kind of just find a way to overlook certain things and not others, and just not be bitter about my upbringing. Yeah, I mean, I said this to you earlier, but I think that when you see a personality, you get to know somebody's personality. You just kind of accept that. Yeah. Like you don't think there's an ideal they need to be striving for and you don't try to change them you're just kind of okay with who that person is yeah i mean also it's not my job to change that exactly yeah well like why would you want you know why do you want to be miserable build character why would you commit your life to something you yeah but want? if it's a career like yeah. you're gonna do something for like i think i don't know if someone asked me this or it's just something that I start asking people, but it's yeah. like, do you see yourself doing this in 20 years? Oh, you asked your students this? I think I've asked myself that, and I think someone right. might have asked me that. I just don't remember things. I'm not really like really remembering on things. It's okay, you're getting old. I'm I sure. know, I know. I'm just, I'm still 25, though. <laughs> you look 25, that's a benefit of being Asian. We'll go with that. But it's, it's like, you know, when you're, you're doing, you're picking a career, you have to ask yourself. Because don't they always ask you that question when you're in high school? They ask you that for jobs. What do you years. see yourself in five years? I got asked that. Yeah, where do you see Like in high school, you do, like me with your like guidance counselor for college, like you start talking about, I guess, yeah. maybe a junior, like, 
when you're talking about what schools to apply to. It's like, where do you set up in five yeah. years? I'm sure. And that's like yeah. a pretty common question. Like, where, do you have, where, where do you see up in 10 years? You know, and so it's like I start asking myself that question. It's like, is this where I would be happy in 20 years? The thing is, how much do you know at this point in life? Well, you don't, but at least I know that I like doing what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, again, there's just different elements into, you know, or like a different, I guess, branches to that question. Right. But the main thing is I'm doing piano and I'm happy that I picked this over violin. Yeah. And I like doing what I'm doing. I like the performing aspect and I also like the teaching aspect of it. And so when I'm 60... I'm pretty sure I'm still going to enjoy it. And you like living in uh in New Orleans. Yeah. You know, and it's it's a fun city. Yeah. It's got some interesting characters, some weird, some, you know, just just wacky, but <laughs> but it's it's fun. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's almost almost like well I'm not saying it's almost like New York, but it's it's definitely got that sort of a combination of characters all in that one. It's definitely spot. a city that has a very distinct character and a very distinct life. Yeah, and you yeah. definitely see things on a street that you just kind of phase <laughs> them out because it's just like, oh, you kind of just shrug things off, which is yeah. something that I haven't done since I left New York. That's true, yeah. Uh, there are things in New York subway platforms that I wish I could unsee. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's definitely some of that, you know, where tourists are just having way too much fun in the French Quarter. Yeah. But, you know, that's all. that's all part of it. You know, I don't go there a lot, but it's like when I go there, it's just like you look at it and it's just like it's it's free entertainment. <laughs> I mean, who needs TV? You can just watch people doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, and you can text all your friends in more boring places. And well, I definitely have done that. I take pictures of people on the street. I'll be like, oh, look, someone is drunk already. And it's four o'clock. <laughs> Are you like to text people in cold places and be like, hey, it's something. I've only done that my first year. Yeah, yeah. I, I will make sure to send that to you again this Because I was still in Michigan. And I was like, are you oh, fucking kidding me? Yeah, because that was... Yeah, the ethically but, cold year. Yeah, because that was my first year down there. Yeah. And that was the first year it got so cold, school was canceled. It, the first time in like 25 years. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mm. definitely remember that. I felt the need to rub that in. Oh, that's right. That's why you texted. I you felt the need to rub that in because <laughs> I was... Having a martini on the balcony while you guys are like in, I don't know, minus 20 degrees. I was wrapped in two blankets and a coat on top of it. Yeah, I was like in a t-shirt and shorts and drinking martini on a balcony. Okay, so we've established that I hate the cold because I have no body fat. I actually do miss the cold now. Yeah, you did say that. You say that. The first thing you said when you got in my car today was, so cold. Why is it so cold? Yeah, but... I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't dressed for it. I didn't dress for it. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, um, so you have website, and um, what's your upcoming concert? My next concert is January, actually. I thought you said a vocal recital. Yeah, that got pushed to January, and oh, nice. so was the violin recital. Oh. Right now, they're two days apart. Oh, nice. So that's going to be fun. And then my solo recitals at school is three weeks after that. Cool. And then I got a concert in Oklahoma. And then I got another concert in somewhere else that I can't remember. But it's on my website. Yeah, yeah. good for you for updating it because I have not updated my website. Yeah, I just put all this in. And it's like if I don't update, my mom's like, I've been looking at your website. You're not gonna oh, your mom keeps yet. you on task. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, I'll get those on. <laughs> Your mom was so cute. 
She's smaller than I am, I think. She definitely is my biggest fan. <laughs> well, lovely talking to you. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, this was fun. Well, that just about does it for today. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Thank you for tuning in and choosing our podcast to listen to. It really means a lot to us. And I hope you continue and tune in next week for another interesting interview. And check us out on iTunes and leave us a review if you want to. We always appreciate any feedback. And check us out on the various social media outlets we have. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. So many wrong notes. We also have our cool new website, so many wrong notes.com. So I hope you enjoy and take care. Bye.